the world's wind industry is gathering in Melbourne this August. Join them at the APAC Summit to discuss collaboration, market building and solving supply chain challenges in the expanding APAC market. Buy tickets at APAC Summit 2023. My name is uh, Ming Hui. Um, I'm the APAC Offshore Wind Segment Lead for DMV. Hello listeners, Stuart Mullen here, the Chief Operating Officer at the Global Wind Energy Council. In a special podcast series, we are speaking with companies and participants for the APAC Offshore Wind and Green Hydrogen Summit, hosting in conjunction with the Clean Energy Council of Australia and the Green Hydrogen Association, uh, as well as Victorian State Government. And today we are joined at the desk by Ming Hu from uh, DNV. Ming, nice to see you. Good to see you as well. So what is DNV going to be talking about at the summit? And maybe before we get there, what's DNV's footprint in the APAC region? Well, basically, we started uh, in the offshore wind space approximately about 12 years ago with new markets like Taiwan and have been involved um, since the, uh, from Taiwan onwards. We started to then grow into different markets like Korea, Japan, Vietnam, just to name a few. And most recently, we have also started to explore the market in Australia as well. And henceforth, you know, the, the um, APEC offshore wind and green hydrogen conference is of uh, very interesting to us because it sort of uh, allows us to do a lot of lessons learned with uh, developers and so new entrants as well as some of our old customers that are already moving into this new market. Uh, we are able to share uh, both insights from uh, around the region as well as also to complement that service with the local team because we do have a big office in Melbourne as well that are supporting a lot of the traditional renewable services such as solar as well as onshore wind. And we are happy to, you know, uh, include those colleagues as well in the offshore wind space. So long story short, basically um, where you have offshore wind, you will see that DMV has a, a, a strong presence there as well, uh, both from the renewables advisory, renewable certification, as well as from the marine warranty survey uh, part of the business. Well, it's clear that DNV is recognised as one of the organisations that has significant offshore wind experience. And so you mentioned sharing the lessons learned from other markets. Could you perhaps put a few words on what are some of the lessons that you see that emerging markets need to consider when they are considering developing an offshore wind program? Sure. I think the key lessons learned that we have um, from our experience in APEC has been that supply chain is definitely one of the most challenging uh, obstacles that a lot of the countries need to explore. And the key message here and also the key thing is that we need to consider supply chain from an APEC perspective rather from, from a country perspective because if we are to look at individual countries, the, the supply chain market is too small but when we look at it as an APEC uh, uh, region, the, suddenly the market becomes a bit more uh, bigger. And the case in point would be, for example, for Taiwan, uh, we have uh, pin piles coming from Malaysia, jackets coming from Korea, towers coming from Vietnam, even substations being assembled uh, in Singapore. And that's why I think the regional and holistic view is very important. If new developers uh, want to go into new markets, uh, the second challenge that we see is also on the availability of installation vessels, as well as the ports and infrastructure. 
that definitely needs a lot of commitment from both the government as well as the private sector who will need to invest a lot of money into supporting structures and infrastructures to to um, upkeep and also to promote the offshore wind development in their respective regions. I think that's very insightful. Uh, we at GWIC definitely see challenges in the supply chain and definitely see this uh, need to collaborate across regions and to I guess for each market to understand what is their value proposition and what can they bring to the supply chain that's going to make most sense for them. I'm really interested that you mentioned vessels. This is really one of the things that I, when I look at the market, I think that the vessels challenge is going to be one of the biggest challenges that the market has to deal with because, you know, I think that relatively speaking, you know, you can easily build a blade factory or you can easily build an cell factory, but getting vessels built that are actually fit for purpose and if the if the turbines continue to grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger uh, a lot of those existing vessels aren't fit for purpose anymore do you have any are you working with vessel suppliers on these challenges and how do you see a solution for this i i think first of all we we have been working with a lot of the vessel operators as well um, looking at market entry studies, looking at the trends. Uh, as you mentioned rightly, uh, that you know the turbines are getting bigger. What kind of size of vessel cranes uh, would be required to do installations for those vessels? So that's something that we have been working uh, with some of the, the vessel operators or even funds that are interested to invest in installation vessels. And um, the, the key thing is that do we then expect the um, turbines to keep on getting bigger? I think from our perspective, there is a sweet spot uh, whereby, you know, the size of the turbines uh, in terms of like both the economic benefits uh, together with the size and also logistical challenges would need to cross path and there will be optimal size uh, that we are looking at. And I, I do believe that we are not that far off. Um, nowadays, we are seeing turbines uh, ranging from about 14, 15 megawatts to even up to 20 megawatts. But to expect that it will go double the size to say 50 would probably be a bit challenging in terms of logistical as well as supply chain portion. So we don't expect that it will go to that particular size. Uh, so I do believe that, again, that we are probably in a very good uh, um, domain right now uh, with the 15 to 20 megawatt range of turbines that we see today. So vessels do need to then cater to, to this particular size. Uh, and it's also not just installation vessels, right? Because we are also looking at the long-term um, operational phase, whereby we are looking at 30 years. And that's where we do see a shift from the use of CTVs or crew transfer vessels, yep. uh, which are normally smaller in size, to the adoption of uh, service operation vessels, SOVs, which are larger in size and can provide more balance of plant or NAM services as well. So there is a shifting trend. Um, and also that's something that, you know, we are working with the local port authorities as well as the local stakeholders to make sure that, you know, this kind, these are some of the considerations that they take into, um, into mind. Uh, when they think about their expansion plan. Interesting. And even though this is an APAC conference and we are going to be focusing on APAC issues, the fact that we are in Australia and the fact that uh, for our first conference and the fact that the Australian market is taking off and there are so many developers and uh, expressions of interest, I think that there was 37 applications for the feasibility mm -hmm. licence of Gippsland alone, which shows there's a real interest in the market. You mentioned some of the, the lessons learnt from, for example, the Taiwan market where uh, components have come from various 
places. Relatively speaking, they're quite close, those those countries. Australia is a, a long way from anywhere. How does Australia actually develop a supply chain in a meaningful way? And, and what sort of volume in the market is, is needed to support that supply chain, if you have, an, if you have a view on that? I, I think we are, we are in some uh, advanced discussions with um, some of the stakeholders as well, probably a bit too early stage to, to, to disclose that, you know, but we are definitely looking at um, what is the ideal localization portion. I think that has been on the mind of any new markets. Will they implement something uh, with the effects of like the Taiwanese market, whereby there is a strong component for localization? Um, or would they then have a more flexible approach whereby then it sort of promotes more development? And if we are to look at it from a practicality standpoint, um, the Australian market, if we were to build up an entirely uh, new supply chain to cater to the offshore market, it's going to be very challenging. But um, speaking to my colleagues, you know, we have definitely looked at uh, some of the potential supplies to different components. Um, such as your HV equipment, that could come from um, Australian sources and that could really help to promote and also to, to create the jobs that's required for this uh, booming new market. So still very early stage. Um, we haven't really get to a point whereby you know we have decided on which parts can be localized, but that's definitely something that we are definitely looking into the next phase um, of the development. And you also mentioned ports and infrastructure surrounding ports as being a challenge. If we look at, again, taking the Australian uh, example, how do you see the port infrastructure in Australia, and I guess particularly around, I think it was the port of Hastings, which has been nominated for the first Victorian port? So I think, first of all, uh, with the experience also from APAC, um, we do know that there is sufficient space that needs to be allocated for the different storage of equipment. Uh, in some cases, we have also seen uh, the need for, for expansion of the berth um, to cater to the different uh, transportation and installation uh, load-up procedures that's required for offshore wind. So that's definitely something that uh, we need to explore a bit further and something that we are keen to also explore both with the ports as well as the developers to see how we can assist them. Um, but again, looking at Taiwan, you know, they, they, there was really uh, drastically... Uh, overhaul of the equipment itself, setting up space, uh, setting up uh, the cell assembly factories for for Siemens, for Vestas to to do the assembly there, um, and also to to cater into the O and M ports as well, facilities that you need to then house your vessels as well. That some that is something that we need to then look at it at a greater uh, resolution, and and also something that we need to discuss further. Right right now, it's still quite early stage, to be honest. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think that this is going to be something, I know that the Victorian government is really interested in this and they're doing everything they can to make sure that they've got the infrastructure in place to accommodate in industry to make sure that these projects don't get delayed because of uh, infrastructure shortages or uh, the, these type of challenges that we can already see on the horizon that we need to deal with them now. So if we turn to the conference and or the, to the summit and participation at the summit, there's going to be a lot of uh, people uh, at the summit. We're expecting up to 1,000 people in the conference and maybe up to 3,000 people in the exhibition area. What are you looking forward to discussing uh, at the summit? 
what what would what's your personal objectives? What information would you like to get out of the summit? I, I think the key thing is also, as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, uh, it, it's really about knowledge sharing. It's also about letting people know uh, the wide range of services that DMV provides, um, not just from the advisory certification, because we do do things like cybersecurity, fabrication assurance, you know, offshore substation kind of QAQC process. So there's there's really a lot of value that uh, the organization brings to the table. And and um, one of the key things that we look to do is to first of all uh, reconnect with old friends that are moving into new markets because we do see a lot of uh, um, key accounts that are moving into the Australia space, um, and that these are people that we are very familiar with. But likewise, uh, we also see a lot of new entrants, uh, Australian-based entrants, and and it is really interesting. And we do hope that you know we have the chance to to share with them. Um, and also to see what are their plans as well, because based on what you have um, shared earlier as well, there is a lot of submission just for Gippsland alone. And for the Australia market, uh, it is definitely one of the key markets that we are looking to grow as well. So it's really about um, um, reaching out to these new uh, developers as well as connecting with old friends. Fantastic. Well, DNV is going to be at the APAC Offshore Wind and Green Hydrogen Summit, and DNV will be presenting at sessions from uh, on electrolyzer systems and how technology and cost production uh, and the cost of production will develop, the lessons learned from regional supply chains and infrastructure collaboration, developing commercially viable and green hydrogen projects in Australia and key issues in the offshore wind APAC markets and market prospects, technology challenges and policy prospects. There's a lot of topics to cover so we look forward to seeing and welcoming DNV in Melbourne in at the end of August. Thank you very much for joining us today, Nicole. We thank you. Thank to... you very much as well. And we look forward to uh, seeing uh, you as well as your team um, there as well. Uh, as Knowledge Partner, we are we are definitely um, very supportive of GREX efforts. And also, you know, we are going to do our best to share um, as much as possible what we have um, from the region as well. Thank you.